Hi everyone, it's Beth. Happy Tuesday and welcome to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today you're going to hear from Kelsey. She has a beautiful story of remembering her mom and the strength that she had. You'll also hear the story of Kelsey and her sister. Thanks for listening. and welcome to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I'm your host, Beth Gosho, and with me today is Kelsey. Kelsey and I have met solely through the Daughters Without Moms, um, through the Daughters Without Moms group. Kelsey has her own group too, that she's sharing parts of her journey on social media as well. Um, But so this is the first time we met. We just chatted for a few minutes before we are going live here on the recording. So uh, Kelsey is going to share her story, and then I'll do some follow-up questions, and um, I'm going to turn it over to you and let you take it from here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's really great. Um, as she mentioned, my name is Kelsey. Um, I live in Massachusetts and have grown up in Massachusetts my entire life. Um, what brings me to this terrible club is obviously my mother. Her name's Elaine. Um She was diagnosed with salivary gland cancer um, when I was 12 in 2002. Um, This led to her needing radiation. It was on the right side um, of her neck um, and due to the location of where the radiation and um, how often she had to get radiation, um, it led to a lot of pain. Um, She ended up having to quit her job Um, and was at home full time and eating became painful, chewing became painful, swallowing became painful. Um, She basically was in and out of the doctors or hospitals for years upon years upon years managing pain um, for a long time. Um, It made her lose a lot of weight. Um, By the time she died, she was down to about 80 pounds um, because even like things like ketchup were really spicy to her. So it really changed her entire way of eating. And she did go through phases, a lot of different candies and junk food and things that she would eat all the time. Um, but that did not provide the nutrients that she really needed. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, I was 12, um, when she got diagnosed the first time, um, And she was like that for the majority of my life. She was sick and not in, wasn't necessarily bedridden. And she was still the type of person and still the type of mom that made everything about other people. Um, You'd never know. I mean, she said um, that she was at a pain level of six on a regular basis. And this is with, she was, had fentanyl patches and, yeah, lots of, lots of medicine, um, and was still at a baseline of six. It was so much that she couldn't even share a bed with my dad anymore because when he would move, it would be really painful. So she slept on the couch and it just became a normal thing. It was just how our life was and she made it. So it didn't, define her and it didn't define our family. Um, My sister and I were both full-time swimmers um, and she'd still go to 
swim meets. Um, and when I eventually quit, I started doing plays in high school and things like that. And she came to every single one of them uh, multiple times because she would fall asleep. She could fall asleep anywhere at any time. <laughs> um, so she would come every day and see a different part every time, it seemed like. Um, and she did that through college too. Even shows that I only stage managed, she would still show up and mm, be there and take me out to dinner and buy me groceries and was just a mom. Um, Christmas was definitely always her time to shine and even being sick, she would shop from the morning until the nighttime for the entire month of December. Um, the one thing that she did get out of was having to lug down boxes of Christmas decorations from the attic. Even when I was in college, I'd have to go home and help my dad take decorations down. Um, and she would not let us help her decorate. It was just about taking the boxes down. Um, and we'd keep Christmas decorations up till February or March, pretty much as long as she possibly could. Um, it was always a family tradition um, to go pick out a Christmas tree as a family that would take about 10 hours and we'd go to six different Christmas tree locations. So none of this was impeded even when she was sick. She always stuck to, um, very much stuck to tradition. And there was one Christmas around the time that I was 11 um, and I was starting to like hesitate on the Santa thing. Um, and my mom went out of her way to make it. So I believed for another year, she bought a reindeer collar and put it out on the roof and made sure like the footprints were really accurate and just made me be a kid for one more year. Um, and that was around, I, I said 11, I think I was 12. So it was probably older than I should have been, but um, that was the first Christmas after she had gotten, um, she had gotten sick. So it was like that all the time, even when we were adults and uh, both of us, my, my older sister, Bailey um, was out of the house. She went to college in Maine um, and she now lives in Maine. Um, but we'd always get together as a family and still do um, in my mom's memory to go Christmas shopping and do all of those things as well. Um, she, in 2009, she was diagnosed with, um, breast cancer, um, and survived that she had lymph nodes removed and a, a couple more rounds of radiation. Um, but again, it was never about her. Um, it, yeah, she's really continues to be the strongest person I've ever known and I think will ever know um, because you knew that she was sick by looking at her. It was not that the differences between her healthy and her sick were very noticeable, but it became such a normal thing for our family. And because she still did things as normally as she could, um, you'd never know. You'd never know. Um, I think she, my sister probably has a different interpretation of things as well. Uh, she was 15 and I think she was let in a little bit more than I was at 12. My sister ended up going to more appointments with her and was told a little bit more. And I think especially towards, um, 
when things were getting really bad, um, she was let in a little bit more than I was. And to be perfectly honest with you, I really didn't want to know. Um, I was probably naive in, in that way, but it was, I think what she wanted from me and just to, um, be normal and to do what I would normally do. Um, cause that's what she did. Um, but I think again, my sister and I have talked about it a little bit and I, I do think the experience of her growing up with it and me growing up with it has been really different. Um, and yeah, uh, but, and in, in the middle of all of this and her getting sick, we, um, she became a full-time caretaker um, with my aunt um, for my grandmother. My grandmother um, at the time that she was diagnosed with salivary, salivary gland cancer, my grandmother was diagnosed with um, ovarian and breast cancer. Um, so she spent a lot of time at my grandma's house and helping her and helping my aunt. Um, and my grandmother ended up passing away in 2004. Um, so it was a couple of years of, um, yeah. We, it, 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 our family had probably from the time I was 10, I lost my grandfather. That was my first experience with loss um, when I was 10 years old. And from the time I was 10 until I was about 20, we probably had a loss a year or a cancer diagnosis a year in um, that time. My dad had a lot of heart issues and he ended up having kidney cancer and he had to spend a lot of time in the hospital and my mom was there every day um, taking care of him and made sure all of that was taken care of. So she was definitely 100% a natural caretaker even when she needed to be taken care of herself, um, but was so stubborn and refused to let people help her. So <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of how it is. Um, yeah, we have a lot of stubborn Polish women in our family. So it's uh, definitely a family, a family trait for sure. My grandmother was the same way. Um, but it was, yeah, she dealt with a lot on top of dealing with a lot personally. And again, I, I know I've said this a hundred times, but never made it that way. Never made it about her. Um, she ended up eventually needing a, um, feeding tube that was going to go, um, through her stomach. It was like located, um, and she did it for a month or two and it was just getting like protein shakes. Basically she had somebody come over and, and do that. And again, it was pain on top of pain and it was something that she was massively uncomfortable with. And it really made her life complicated. And I, I think the one thing that my mom really wanted and really valued was the fact that she still had autonomy to do things on her own and go places. And despite that, like, it was definitely not a life that I think she envisioned for herself, but at least she was able to drive places and go grocery shopping and take care of the house and do things like that. Um, the feeding tube made it so it was mostly impossible for her to do things like that. So I think it really, that was when I started realizing how bad it was. Um, so we let her stop. Um, we had a long conversation about it and said, it's something that we'll have to like revisit later on. Um, but she promised that she would 
do whatever she could to take care of herself. But I think even at that point, it was a little too late. Um, and I remember the Thanksgiving before she died. Um, so Thanksgiving in 2016, me and my sister were sitting at a friendlies in our hometown, um, talking about talking to her into doing a feeding tube again, because she was losing more weight um, and did not want to do it. And just kept saying, I just, just let me get through the holidays. Just let me get through the holidays. She just wanted to have a normal Christmas and the holidays passed. And again, it was still buying gifts. Um, we had a nephew at the time, uh, or I had a nephew, my sister had her first kid. And again, my mom went down to Maine when my sister was pregnant and um, spent two weeks there after the baby was born and helped out there and was in the room with my sister when um, he was born. So that was a really good, a really good moment. Um, but so we, we said, once the holidays are over, we'll because she really wanted to have a good holiday with the first grandchild. So, and made it all about him, um, the way that my grandmother did for us. And um, yeah, so I remember having that conversation with my sister and we let the holidays go past and we let my birthday go past in March. Um, and we didn't really talk about it again. And we were supposed to, my family, again, they met up like somewhere in between um, Maine and Massachusetts and I was supposed to be there. They rented an Airbnb in Freeport, Maine, um, but it was a really snowy weekend. So I couldn't make the drive up to do it. Um, but it was my sister, her husband, my dad, and my nephew. And it, that was April or yeah, that was March 31st that they were up there. And I got the phone call on April 1st. Um, that she had passed away in her sleep that night. Um, remember that phone call vividly and basically just crying instantly and saying like, no, this isn't real. My sister and my uh, father were still in Maine having to deal with that. Um, and I was at home with my now husband um, in Waltham. Just, I was not able to get there. The last text message that I have with her is her telling me like, it's not worth it to drive in the snow and be unsafe. So I'll see you when we get home. Um, my sister said the night before she died, um, my nephew was obsessed with her. Like, oh, he was always very affectionate, but it was a lot like we call, um, my nephew calls my dad Grumpus. Um, so it's a lot of Grumpus time. Um, but the night before my nephew like cuddled my mom and was just completely in love with her I think it was just a sign that that was what she needed to do um so I, I again I think I don't really know the exact details of um the death but I, it was basically heart failure um so again not she was 80 pounds and not getting nutrients that she really needed um and yeah, that was my first really significant loss was my mom. Um, I was 27 when she died. She was 54. Um, yeah, and it just kind of threw everything for a loop. Our whole family dynamic changed and we didn't, uh, despite 
everything that my mom went through, we didn't have a living will for her and we didn't really know what anything to do. And I was the one that had to like dig in and see about canceling certain bills and doing all that stuff because the one thing that she did do was maintain all of my, like all of my dad's finances and all of the household finances to the point where my dad had no idea about anything. Um, he never had to look at it, never had to pick it up, never had to be worried about it because everything was handled through um, my mom. And if there's one thing to know about my dad is he is not a great person over the phone and he's not really good at doing that stuff on his own. Um, so, and he was always somebody that like, again, he was definitely somebody that took care of us and it has kind of reversed, um, since my mom's passing where he's living alone now. So it's, and during COVID and all that stuff, it has definitely been a role reversal and us taking care of him and my sister lives four hours away. So it's me taking care of him and uh, making sure that he's being safe. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely, I had always naively assumed since my dad was older that he would go first. And I don't know if anybody else would be able to relate to this, but um, I thought about my dad dying a lot like it was I think it was just from growing up and going to funerals and that, that was like the only time I ever walked into a church was at a funeral and things like that so um I don't it's kind of morbid but I I would think of it and how I would be um and even and I, this must be something for my mom too you know no matter how sick she was no matter how bad I thought it got I never once considered that she would die. It was just still like not, I don't know why my dad, it, it just, I think it became such a normal thing in our family that that is just what it was. And it was just such a long time of not even really being sick anymore, but just having the consequences of a sickness um, and a disease. And it, it was just a normal thing. Um, but it definitely was worse in a lot of ways than I, you can't ever imagine it. You can't ever, there's no good outcome. There's no way that you can prepare yourself for losing anybody, um, nevertheless, like your mom. Um, but I was wholeheartedly unprepared for it and just really changed my entire life. I am a completely different person since she's died in good ways and in bad ways. I was definitely, I am the baby of the family and was always treated as the baby of the family. Um, my mom helped me a lot with finances and things like that. And I figured all of that out on my own when she died. And became an adult, an actual real life adult at 27, <laughs> where you should already be. But um, yeah, I bought a car and got a new apartment and put on my own cell phone bill and all of those things, which sounds again, very naive, but um, my mom took care of me and my mom always took care of me. Um, but I think I was able to take care of myself and continue to take care of myself because of the example that she set for us, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. um, my ability to get up every day after this is solely because of her. And 
just because I, I hate the expression that they wouldn't want you to be sad. Um, but she never was like that when she was sick, when she had every right and every desire to be down on herself and, and doubt the world and be angry and be upset and scream and cry every single day. She chose not to. Um, and I learned that a hundred percent from her. And I don't think that I even realized that until she died. And I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to tell her that in person. Um, I was definitely a classic teenager where my mom and I didn't always get along. We did not see eye to eye a lot of the time. Um, I definitely wouldn't say we had a bad relationship, but it was a tense relationship at times and we fought and I was a moody teenager and didn't understand fully what my mom was going through and she never used it against me. Um, but something that again, makes me really sad that I don't get to tell her and show her. And I think I, I just turned 30 last year. Um, something I think mentally happened where I, I just reached an age where I think I finally understand my mom and I finally appreciate her. And it really hurts to not have her here to tell her that because I did not tell her that enough when I was growing up. Mm. And yeah, I, I think of, I'm terrified to have children without her. I'm, I did get married over the summer. Um, we're having a bigger wedding in, in October. Um, yeah. But it was, it, yeah, it's, it's finding, I did not think I'd be able to get through any of those things without her. Um, and I'm so sad that people that are so important in my life, I'm, I'm fortunate that my husband and her were able to meet. Um, but we, my sister had a niece um, on April 2nd, actually, um, of 2018. Yeah, 2018. She's going to be two this year, I think, or 2000. Yeah, I don't even know time anymore. <laughs> um, but so I think that was another like sign for my mom to my sister that, um, that she didn't get to meet Violet, um, but was born close to the anniversary of her death and saying like my, that was a sign for my mom being like, you can do this and I'm still here and I am a part of everything that you still do. Um, so that was really nice, but I'm lucky to have an amazing older sister who did step up. I think when I was growing up in a mom role, I went to my sister for a lot. She was my best friend. Again, didn't always get along. Um, but once my sister moved out to college was when we like became extra, extra, extra close. Um, and she is my best friend in the whole wide world. So I'm lucky that I have somebody um, who knew mom, like I knew mom and even had a different relationship from um, from me to, we both had different relationships, obviously, but, um, yeah, it's, it's the future is a hard thing to plan for. Even the wedding, I, we got through one and it was just a small little backyard ceremony in my aunt's, um, backyard and it's my husband's family and, and my family, my very, very small family. Um, and I didn't really feel it that day, but the closer and closer we get to, the bigger day and when I went dress shopping um it was nice to just have my sister but it was definitely apparent that my mom wasn't there um and it's all those things that I did not anticipate 
not having my mom for that come back and really like take my breath away sometimes and makes me really hesitant to plan anything. It's, it's hard. Um, but I, again, think I am able to get through what I'm able to get through on a regular basis because I watch my mom do it every day. So yeah. well, you got that strong, um, the, the Polish strength and stubbornness I got passed on to you too. <laughs> I, for sure. That's one thing that is <laughs> very common between all of the, the women in my family. Well, I come from a, a, a family of um, Irish women, and, and yeah. we say the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's, if it's supposed to be true for Irish people also, but that's what yeah. we say. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I can totally resonate with your thing about not being ready because we were the same thing. I mean, your mom's, your mom's journey was longer than my sister's, but my sister was almost a 10-year battle. And we often talk about that, like, you're just not ready. You're not, yeah. like, when she was diagnosed, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And wow. she got amazing care that gave us another nine and a half years. But wow. my niece and I talk about that a lot. Like, neither one of us, we didn't really expect her to die. No. Yeah. No. And yeah. it's crazy. It's like you, and people have asked that, like, didn't you know, like, I, or, and, and I was like, no, it just was not, it's either didn't, you know, or I didn't know your mom was sick. And I was like, because she like really wasn't like, it was just her life. It was, and it, yeah, she was sick, but it's, it, yeah, it's, and people ask that really disturbing question of like, how did she die? And it's just like, well, there's a whole diff, like, I don't want to go into like, let's go back to 2002 and really talk about it. But um, yeah, it's, it's so interesting that you grow up and just assume, or at least in my opinion, that the older people die first. It's just because you're old and my dad was older. Um, he was 14 years older than my mom, actually. Um, so it was just that he had heart problems and was in the hospital and had kidney cancer. And I was like, well, this is it. Every time that he went to the hospital, I was like, well, this is it. This is, I mean, that feeling still has not gone anywhere. If anything, it has been heightened to a certain degree, um, especially with COVID. But um, yeah, I, it, it's so interesting to like say it out loud that it was like, I was not ready. I knew it was a possibility, but it was like a possibility for like a long time. Like it was just, this is how it always was. So why can't it always be that way? It was definitely not, yeah, yeah. not ready for when it actually happened ever, but definitely not ready for when it did happen. I wonder if that's, you know, as more people I talk about this, if that's some sort of defense mechanism that we, so. yeah, I think so yeah. too that we just do. Um, but it makes no sense logically when you talk no. about it, you know, no. we all, we all knew, we all should have known, yeah. you know, that, I mean, all the signs were there. Um, my sister and your mom sound so similar. Like my sister's was nine and a half years of, of being in treatment pretty much yeah. for the whole nine and a half years and not like cyber knife chemo chemo, where she had to keep her fingers and her toes in ice baths while she was getting the chemo because 
the stuff about the coming out of your extremities. Yeah. I was like, oh, Chinese torture on top of chemo, you know? Yeah. Um, and like never, I'm sure she did complain every once in a while, yeah. but 98% of the time was never. so positive and such a warrior. And yeah. um, like, I think I'm like, I'd be a big baby. I, yeah. I, 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 I envision myself if I ever go through something, being a huge baby. Yep. And, yeah. and making it all about me. Like everything will drop because this is what I'm going through and this is a big deal. But it it was not like that with her. And I again I'd like to think that I would learn that in that situation as well. But I would be a huge baby, like a huge baby. I know that. So it's interesting. But you know what I wonder, like as we're talking about that the defense mechanism for us was never to acknowledge that you know, they, that they would die from this disease. I wonder for the pate, you know, for them, if it's also that same sort of defense mechanism, like, I wonder, because that's what my sister's thing was, was always, as long as there was a plan, she was in it. She didn't want to know all the details. She didn't, you know, she's like, if this is what we're doing, okay, tell me what I have to do and I'll be there. But as long as there was a plan, like at the end of her life, when she went on hospice, like that devastated her because she was like, well, isn't there something we can do? There's got to be something we can do. Yeah. I've never made that connection before, but I wonder but that, if that's, yeah, that's an interesting point for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I mean, we, we, and, and to be perfectly candid too. And one thing that like drove all of us crazy, my mom smoked for her entire life and a cancer two cancer diagnosis did not stop that from ever happening. And it would like my sister and I would flush cigarettes down the toilet and like take them away. And it just not even realizing it was like the last thing that she had. Like it was just the last, and as, as terrible as it was and as like annoying as we found it. And it really, it was just like, you're actively doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Um, but it was the last like normal thing she had for herself. And it, again, I don't even think I acknowledged that until after she died. And I don't even think my sister acknowledged that until after she died. And something that we could have been really angry about, but it just, at some point you just, and there was no talking to her about it. Like it was just like nothing. Once she made up her mind, it was done. Like it, that, that's it. So it was definitely, um, her, yeah, stubbornness and nope, this is what I'm choosing to do. And I, I think she knew that she never was going to do that feeding tube. And I, I think she knew that when we were talking about it um, at the beginning and she was just like, okay, like once the holidays are over just to like appease us, but like knew that she already like won that fight because she wasn't going to do it. So, mm-hmm. and we didn't push her because we knew that she hated it. So. And isn't this amazing when you look back and you like, when I, when I talk about like my sister's journey and stuff now, and I say like, she slept sitting up for a year and a half because it was in her lungs and it was almost like she had COPD and the crazy thing sitting up and actually like being bent over was more comfortable for her than laying when she was when she was laying down towards the end of her life she was literally drowning because she had so much fluid in her lungs lay down but like that was the normal thing it was a normal thing for Amy to sit in a chair and go to sleep and and we didn't think twice about it, but, you know, now a year later, as I recount things to people and I go, gosh, you know, those normal things that were, yeah. it was normal. 
it was just yeah my mom slept on a couch and people would come over and be like your mom sleeps here and I was like that yeah that's that's where my mom sleeps I don't know like she doesn't sleep like in like with your dad and I was like no he moves too much she's and it was just yeah it was interesting for sure a lot of like what became normal that like was not normal for anybody else <laughs> but she made it normal and we went with it so yeah and, and you're lucky enough to have people around that are like oh, okay you know this, okay. Is, this is how we're yeah. doing it okay we're doing <laughs> oh wow it's just so crazy some of these similarities sometimes yeah and also, so my sister and I were three years apart like mm-hmm. you your sister yeah. right three years yeah. apart um and when we at best I mean I miss a lot of things about her but one of the things I really miss is we would we moved around a lot so like I, my husband can like rattle off his first grade teacher and this and that yeah. and I'm always like what state did I live in I don't really remember so my sister and I it would be good to bounce things off of her you know yeah. that we would, we would share memories together and share share our memories and I'd always be like that's not what happened it was you know bleep, 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 bleep. and she was like uh no it was you know this this and that so it is amazing, and I think it's that that age too. Because um, I mean, I was thirteen when mom died, and Amy was sixteen. But um, there's something about that young age too that three years difference is a lot. Yeah, yeah. A lot in how you process things, and absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've I've said to um, my sister and other people that ask, especially like in terms of grief, that like yes, my my sister and I are grieving for our mom, but we're grieving for different people to ourselves. Like it, it is still, I can, I'm so lucky that I can talk to my sister about it and we can like share our grief and things like that. But my sister had a kid when she lost my mom and has a whole different perspective about motherhood and, and parents and, and had a whole different perspective growing up with my mom that I don't have. So while we're grieving the same person, it's different people to each other. Um, and different relationships to each other um for sure so there are things that bailey like my mom got to be at bailey's wedding and got to be at the birth of her kids so there are things that like i will not get that bailey got to have um but i get to have that memory through her and i get to ask questions and my mom wrote my sister a really nice note um the night before her wedding um, that my sister still has. So mm-hmm. I, she's saving it for me um, on like my big wedding day. So, mm-hmm. um, but it is, it's definitely, again, great to have an older sister that I get to talk to about it, but the perspective and the difference with like how we're grieving and how, who we're grieving are very different. Even mm-hmm. though it's the same person, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. You just had me, made me have an idea. Like, I think, you know, an idea for a podcast might be to have you and your sister on at the same time. And we just kind of talk about things because it's amazing. Yeah. I think the way that I told this story would be completely different than how my sister would tell that story for sure. I, I think the type of person that my mom was would remain the same. And my sister would say the same thing about her being completely selfless and completely like, never made it about anybody like or never made it about herself but I think the experience through it would be a completely different story mm-hmm. yeah she probably carried a little more weight than you did because yeah. you were protected yeah mm-hmm. yeah the same with me and, and I, I I think even like I you you talk about like 
again, I, I think we can kind of relay on like no linear process through grief and no like stages through grief. And it's just not really that clear cut, but I sit here sometimes and like when I'm having like really low days and just saying like, should I be more mad at my mom? Like, why do I not feel resentment? Why do I not feel angry? Why do I not like, none of that is directed towards her. And there's, there's, some, I, I don't know why. And I try not to question it that much, but it's just like, well, should I be like, is there, is, am I doing this wrong? It, do I have to like, I don't know. It's, it's definitely like, I think my sister has a little bit more resentment sometimes than I do. And it's just weird how, the, like the smoking thing was such an annoying and I, I did I was so mad at her for doing it and it played no factor in my mind anymore like I'm not mad I'm not upset I am not I, I'm obviously like mad that she died but I don't blame her like I it's not I don't know it's so interesting that like even being just mad that it happened that like she got sick in the first place it I remember feeling that way but after she died it just I don't feel angry I don't feel it not angry at her angry at other people for their reaction to like grief and stuff like that but it, it was nothing that like you talk about in these like stages of grief were ever like directed at my mom and I, yeah, I question myself all the time and just don't let it, like, I try to, like, tell myself that it's, like, no, this is normal. This is, like, how, like, there's no right or wrong way to do anything, like, do any of this. So, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. It, I held, I think I held a lot of anger and resentment towards her sometimes when she was alive because I was naive and I was young and I just did not have a full concept of what she was going through that, once I finally realized it and realized that she was still my mom and like still somebody that showed up for me all the time, there was nothing left to be angry about and nothing left to be resentful about. Well, you said you reached this point where you kind of like felt like you um, were able to see her, you know, in the mom role and appreciate her more. I'm just going to warn you, wait until you have kids because yeah, I, <laughs> I don't accept a whole new level of feelings. Yeah, I'm terrified and excited at the same time. I, I'm, I'm, that is something that I can't think about too much. Um, because sometimes the idea of like doing that without her makes me not want to do it at all. Um, and I'm scared. I, I will be candid and say that it terrifies me. Um, to, fully understand that and not be able to look at her and tell her oh my god like oh my god I I was yeah yeah I did not appreciate you in any way the way that I should have um but I will again I I, I try to say it and I try like I talk to her sometimes I we she had cats um and I was unfortunately only able to take one um her name's Bubbles and there are times where like, I, I actually call her mom. Um, cause she's, she's all about my husband does not really like enjoy my presence at all, but there are moments where it's just the two of us. And it was actually at the morning of my wedding. Um, and 
the cat like came over and like snuggled me and gave me like kisses and I took that anytime that cat is affectionate towards me I'm like oh this is this is my mom's like I this is her like reminding me and my mom would be so happy that I have the cat in the first place so mm-hmm. um yeah, it's interesting that I have like little conversations with a cat that I think is my mom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, whatever works, whatever works. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure people have told you this before, but I hope you can find a way to release some of that of what happened when you were a teenager because yeah. every teenage girl does it. I was a miserable SOB. Yeah. Both of my daughters were pretty much miserable. It's just part of the process. And I think your mom was able to still give you a lot of grace because she knew that. Yeah. She, she knew that. So yeah. I, I, that was definitely something that I struggled with for a long time. And like I said, I don't know if it is just like turning 30, but like a lot of that got let go when I turned 30 years old, where it's like, I can't hold on to this anymore. Like, it's just not beneficial. It doesn't. And, she would be mad at me if I felt that way. Like it was just like, I can hear her in my voice being like, cut it out. Like it's done. It's done. You're fine. (laughs) Yeah. 30 and a pandemic might put things into a little bit of a different. There's something I was like, I have never been like, even like experience. Like I have not had a family member. Um, My dad is the oldest person I have in my family. Um, I have not, none of my family members have lived past the age of 80. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but I don't, I never feared getting older. Like I don't, everybody else like freaks out about turning 30. And I was like, please, like, I'm good. And if if turning 30 is the worst thing that's going to happen to me, then I I think I'm okay. Like it's, and it's not the worst thing that's happened to me. So I, yeah, it definitely put a lot of things in perspective, both losing my mom um, and having that milestone birthday during a pandemic is for sure. Yeah. I just don't sweat the small stuff anymore. So, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, that's pretty impressive for at 30 because it it took me to be 50. (laughs) (laughs) So good for you. Good for you. Um, and I'm so thankful that you have your sister Bailey, like, Hey, you know, I'm a tad bit jealous, you know, but I, you know, you're also younger than I am. And so, um, but anyways, I'm really thankful that you guys have each other. She's that relationship that I, and I don't think you other people don't get it unless they are sisters who have lost a mom. Like there's just, and, and that you're close, you know, there's sisters that have lost their moms that aren't, but for Amy and I, it just made us all the closer because we were the only ones who knew what we had gone through. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, I thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I'm very, and I, I, I do think like our relationship has grown even stronger since my mom passed away too. And I, again, you'd have to talk to my sister about how she feels about it, but I do like being able to plan this wedding with her and have her there to try on that dress. And it brings me a lot of comfort that I'm, I'm very lucky to have. I'm, I, and I know that I, I am very lucky to have that person. Um, definitely not a substitute mom by any means, but close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the closest you're going to get. Yeah. Because nobody, no other female that's not your blood like that, you wouldn't even allow them into that space, Mm -mm. you know? 
So everyone I ask if there's something you could share any and you know this is a tough thing because we both have, have said that we agree it's not linear what works for you yeah. won't you know, necessarily work for everybody else but part of sharing our stories is just you know sharing if there's something that you've learned or a tidbit of information that you would like to share yeah. with people here in the journey. I think um, and we had kind of touched on this a little bit but grief and loss is a universally shared experience. And as you said, it's not linear and everybody grieves um, differently and everybody has different experiences with loss, but it is truly the one thing that every single person in the world will experience. Um, and it still makes people wholeheartedly uncomfortable. And it's, I, it, I'm thankful for people like you and I'm trying to do it myself where those conversations around grief get better and it's easier to talk about because it's so isolating to go through something like this and have no one to talk to. And again, I'm lucky to have an older sister, but we lost different people. So some things that I experienced, she's not going to understand. And she's not gonna be able to help me. Um, and we're so quick to talk about marriages and babies and, and all the good stuff that we, not everybody experiences those things. Not everybody has that. We're all going to lose someone someday if, if we haven't already. And it should be something that is more comfortable to talk about. And it's so, I mean, going on Instagram and connecting with strangers that like don't know you at all but can validate your feelings has been so helpful to me and I am somebody like I read books and I did I I tried to like learn more about it but I, I I'm somebody that likes like bite-sized information sometimes so Instagram has been a huge support system for me um and yeah I I would just say to other people even who aren't grieving lean into being uncomfortable and let yourself be uncomfortable and say that you're uncomfortable and you don't know what to say because that will be helpful it's it's helpful to acknowledge because i it's it's an awful thing to think about and i understand why people are uncomfortable about it but i don't think people realize that them not saying anything and them not acknowledging it and just like making passive statements about it, how much it hurts the person going through it. Um, and again, I can only speak for myself, but the people that sat with me while I cried or brought over chips or food and actually acknowledge every day that like, if you're not in the mood to do this, if like you are like, if it coming to conversations that are like, are you, at a right space to like have me talk about my stuff and things like that. And just like learning to just reevaluate your language sometimes and, and realize that yes, while you mean well, it can be better. We, we can try, all of us can try harder, um, especially with something that all of us are going to experience. You will want people to have your back the way that grieving people will have your back. And I know people will come to me when they experience that loss. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so like, I want to be that person for people. Um, I just want, I, I wish that I had more of that when I was going through it as well, but I definitely, yeah, definitely Instagram and 
opening up about my mom and being able to talk about her um, and her experience and my experience has been a massive, like almost like a weight off my shoulders sometimes where your feelings, you just need people to hear you and tell you that you're not crazy and what you're talking to your cat and pretending that it's your mom is not a crazy thing that you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh And every time you're doing it, you're still honoring her legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember in like the, the first year after she died, I was grasping at straws to figure out like what I was going to do. Um, I struggled at work. It, just so much of your brain changes, so much of like your, I'm a completely different person. Um, and parts of me are like slowly coming back to like how I once was, but like, you're never going to be the same afterwards. And just finding people that, that acknowledge that and that still value that and grow with you and learn this new version of yourself. I mean, I had so many friends and I remember being at my mom's funeral and like looking around and be like, this room is so full. I have a full room of people that are going to be here every single day. And that is so not what happened. It like what was a room full of 80 something people is now a group of about five. And I was really angry about that. And I was really sad about that. And one thing, like I, I ended up going to therapy again, um, like six ish months after my mom died. Um, and she, I said, I was like, I, I don't feel angry towards my mom. I feel angry towards like people I thought who were my friends. Like I thought these people were going to have my back and it really upsets me that they don't. And she's, she said something that I say and remind myself of all the time is it, it is like a secondary loss and I like can acknowledge that it's hard, but you'll learn that you have friends that you can connect with emotionally and you'll want that group to be small. You want it to be a small group, but you can still have those friends. You don't have to cut anybody out. And I understand that it's like hard, but you can still have those friends like on the night where you need a distraction from your grief and you want to laugh and you want to have fun and you want a break you still have those people, use them. Yes, your emotional support might be smaller, but your like physical support can still be the same. You just have to reevaluate your thinking. And again, I think like putting the onus on me was kind of annoying, but now I really appreciate it and just appreciate like that perspective. That's great advice. I've yeah. never... I've heard it in different ways before, but it's basically like just changing your persp- your expectation of what they provide for you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and she- just, I, I'm such a people pleaser. And I think this is also something for my mom where like, I always wanted to do things for other people and like always went out of my way to do things for other people. And I think grief has also taught me that like, my feelings are important. And if I can't show up for people, I don't have to do that. And especially I don't have to show up for people that don't show up for me anymore. I don't have to put an emotional investment in people who don't put an emotional investment in me. And it is sad in a way, but it's also like, it, it, it was helpful to like have that where it's like, oh, they don't show up for me. I, yes, I will still like going through something like this. I'm not going to like leave somebody in the dust. We know that better than anybody that like, that's not how you react to it. But I also don't have to like emotionally check in with people every day. Mm -hmm. And I was doing that so much. And it's just like, I don't, 
I don't have the mental capacity or the emotional capacity to do that anymore. And I don't have to feel guilty about it, yeah. which was like huge for me. That's great. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. What great advice. Wow. So tell people where they can find you for your, yeah. your support. Um, on- so I have um, a grief Instagram, um, Kelsey life after loss, or it's Kelsey underscore life after loss on, on Instagram. Um, I'm also on Facebook. If anybody wants to find me, my real name is Kelsey Shepard. So you can, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about your mom, your loss, your experiences and talk about my mom all the time. It's been really helpful. So I really appreciate the opportunity to do so. Well, that's awesome. I will make sure that I put your handle in the, in the show notes so that people will be able to see it if they, um, don't have a pen and paper while they're listening to this. But, um, that's the one thing everyone that I've interviewed so far ha- ends with that. They're like, I'm, I'm free to talk to anybody. Anybody. Yeah. How awesome is that? Like, it, that is- it, yeah. And it, again, I, it's, what's been really interesting to me, especially like I've connected with strangers on the internet and like how we, like you're, you're a stranger and we just had an emotional like conversation and can connect in, in really amazing ways. And I know like, people's deepest darkest like secrets sometimes and like what they are not able to tell other people and it's just been such an amazing experience to like have that level of empathy and just yeah it's it's crazy how much the experiences we all share are different and the journey is so different but there are still so many underlying like things in grief that we all agree on and we can all like relate to in some way. And again, it just goes back to like having your feelings validated on a regular basis has just been, it's definitely my personal experience. I use my Instagram for like my personal thoughts, but the amount of people that comment, that's like, yes, like this. And it's like, I know. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. So great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank Thank you you. for being available to the Instagram community. I love what you said about bite-sized information. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, And Warren Bailey, I might be coming after both of you sometime. Okay, I will. No, she does for a while. She doesn't. She's, she's so like my mom and like not making anything about herself and anything like that and like we we try and she's she's good but she'll it, it'll be it'd be nice to hear her perspective on things a little bit too that even yeah. she doesn't share with me all the time so yeah. <laughs> it'd be great it'd be interesting yeah okay thank you so much for being here Kelsey I really appreciate thank you it. so much for the opportunity If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in being interviewed for a podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.